0: This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys, including expert service providers. We're pleased to have with us today two representatives from expert service provider Courtroom Sciences in Irving, Texas. Courtroom Sciences partners with corporate legal departments and law firms throughout the entire litigation process, from the moment a crisis occurs through discovery, trial preparation, jury selection, and the trial itself. Joining us for discussion today are Sean Murphy and Laurieann Larry Biggers. Sean Murphy is a strategic communications counselor with extensive corporate reputation and litigation crisis communications experience. Sean has worked with a number of leading organizations across a wide range of industries, on public communications challenges presented by high-stakes and high-profile crisis cases. Lorianne Larry biggers has over 25 years of experience in the global finance and insurance industry, notably as president of Lloyd's of London for North America and president of Navigator's Commercial Insurance Company. She is a director on the corporate board and chairperson of the Finance and Investment Committee of Copper Point Mutual Insurance Holding Company, and a director on the boards of Brown and Riding Insurance Incorporated, Protective Insurance Incorporated, and Courtroom Sciences. Ann also sits on the Council on Litigation Management and is a member of Global YPO. Ann and Sean, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you for having us, John. Thank
0: you. Today, they will be addressing enterprise risk management and challenges facing insurance carriers. And for our first question today, we'll direct towards Laurianne. Lorianne, enterprise risk management has increasingly become a top priority for boards of directors and C-suite executives. What trends are driving this increased focus?
1: So first of all, we have to really understand that we are in an unprecedented and evolving landscape, unlike anything that we have ever seen historically. So a few key trends that are driving this increased focus particularly from the board and the C-suite levels, a rapid speed of business model interruption and disruption, industry changes, corporate tax reform, political uncertainty, increasing workplace violence, reputational and headline risks, cyber threats unlike we've ever seen, crisis management needs, new litigation and regulatory risks and scrutiny, innovation and technology disruption, sustaining customer loyalty and retention, which we all know is ever-changing with the Amazon effect, attracting and competing for talent and risks associated with culture, retention, and succession planning, economic conditions globally, risks with M&A, and frankly, on the flip side, risks with limited opportunity for organic growth, clashing and changing generational work structures and cultural resistance to change an inability to migrate operational efficiencies, and quite frankly, the list could go on and on and on. However, I believe we only have a short window for the podcast, so I don't want to depress everyone right from the start, but suffice it to say, we are on uncharted waters.
0: Okay, so then what should companies prioritize as part of their ERM strategy? What are the biggest areas of vulnerability, and are there any areas being overlooked?
1: Yeah. So, it's all about intentional implementation of risk oversight. And then I'm going to say that intentional implementation of risk oversight instead of so many companies having what they currently are doing, which is reactionary procurement of risk management. What I mean by that is that companies need to focus on the quality of the enterprise risk management process and not just have a check-the-box exercise, for lack of a better term, that there is a risk function and an associated list of risks that they're literally going through uh, with the check mark. Um, They also, number two, need to focus on behaviors, making ERM a corporate and a cultural asset as well as an oversight priority. So the tone comes from the top, but it's cascaded throughout the entire organization. And then they need to ensure management communicates and engage the entirety of that organization in terms of the importance of ERM, the accountability associated with that, and then the pride that comes with having an organization that has really thought through and implemented ERM changes. And then last but certainly, certainly not least, is that they need to establish and sustain board level dialogue Oversights, protocols, and best practices, and emphasize the importance of the board working in conjunction with the management on the short and the long term strategy and implementation of such enterprise risk management. In other words, instill it in the corporate DNA.
0: So, Lorian, how are major insurers evaluating their insureds in terms of ERM preparedness? Well, it's
1: very different than it used to be. There Looking at things through the lens of all four quadrants of risks. So number one, the operational risks, their processes, the operational oversight, the resistance to change operations, supply chain management, distribution exposures. Number two, the financial risks, everything from the cost of capital, their market risk, their growth and capital adequacy, the financial and investment risk tolerance that that company might have number three, the strategic risks, which really they haven't looked at in the past, which include everything from how their industry is evolving, the customer base, and how that's changing, what is the future of their specific business and the competitive landscape associated with it, what are the headline branding and image risks, the succession challenges, and of course, the historic, number four, the hazard risks. So what trends are occurring in third-party liability, the employee exposures, the property exposures, the product liability, all of those things. So it's becoming very, very clear that insurers are no longer being evaluated myopically and through a single underwriting lens, and much more is being underwritten, correlated, and contemplated than the traditional hazard risks.
0: So, Lorianne, to what extent should crisis preparation planning be a part of ERM?
1: So, on three of the corporate boards on which I sit, in the last four years, we've gone through three separate CBO searches. It is irrefutable that crisis is the new norm, and throughout the candidate interview process, we heavily weigh the candidate's ability, preparedness, response, and experience in crisis situations, and their prior leadership and outcomes of those situations very, very stringently. It is almost in today's environment, a foregone conclusion that senior leaders now need to be equipped, empowered, and prepared for when the crisis happens, not if. Consequently, crisis preparedness in ERM is essential. Actually, no. John, it is critical in order for there to be clear rules, roles, and responsibilities in the event of a crisis while simultaneously addressing potential vulnerabilities well in advance of a crisis hitting. How can leadership preemptively agree on the response and remedies if there is no contemplation of crisis within ERM? It will likely be the difference between the company thriving post-crisis versus surviving in the face of such crisis and adversity.
0: Laurianne, thanks so much. We're going to direct some questions now to Sean. Sean, what are some of the practical steps a company can do to plan for a crisis?
2: Well, the most important thing for a company to do in planning for a crisis is to make sure that they are uh, anticipating the types of scenarios that, that they may encounter and then developing uh, responses to those types of scenarios in advance. The other thing they need to do is prepare for the kinds of people, the types of spokespersons, the experts within their organization, who should be available very quickly to address those situations should they occur.
0: So are companies willing to do this type of crisis planning or do you see some resistance out there?
2: Well, uh, you know, they ignore it at their own peril because particularly in today's social media environment, um, you get one shot at managing a crisis and one shot at giving the kind of response that people will react, uh, I'll respond to more favorably than if you don't. So, you know, if you know your uh, company and your industry, the types of crises you may encounter are very predictable. If you collect personal information on your customers, then you should be prepared for a data breach. If you're in a business that could have environmental impact, you have to plan for accident. And unfortunately today, if you're a business or a municipality or a mall, you have to prepare for the potential for violence.
0: So what are some of the more common mistakes you see companies make during a crisis?
2: Well, there are actually two ends of the spectrum on this. On the one end, you see companies that, when they begin to talk about the crisis, they're talking about it from their own perspective and their own self-interest and not taking into account the perspective or the needs of the people who have been impacted by the crisis. And that's a critical mistake because your messaging and and your narrative need to be shaped around what it is you're doing to uh, deal with the situation on behalf of those people. On the other end, you have companies that are so um, anxious about the situation that they will admit liability uh, versus taking responsibility. And those are two very different things. Uh, in a situation, it's very important to accept responsibility and take actions that will remedy the situation. But my ability is an entirely different matter. Uh, so it's important to distinguish that when you're shaping your messaging and shaping the narrative and before you communicate that publicly.
0: So for companies caught in a crisis, what are some of the first things that they should do?
2: Uh, they need to pull together the team of decision makers and Experts within the company who can really uh, affect the right solution. So you need people who can make final decisions in the company, and you need people whose uh, responsibilities reflect uh, reflect the area that the crisis is affecting. So if it's a customer service issue, then you need to have the customer service um, head in, in the room and making decisions with you, giving you input, etc. You need to determine as best you can what has occurred, and all that information isn't always immediately available. So you need to know, you need to gather as much information as you possibly can, because the first response is usually, this is how we intend to deal with this crisis. So having some information about it is a good guide for, for how to communicate that information and put that together, because your first actions are about mitigating the current situation and then talking about your plans for addressing the crisis overall. So those are the most important things, getting the decision makers, getting the right experts in the room, determining what's best, as best you can what happens, and then how can you mitigate the immediate situation and what plans do you have to uh, resolve the crisis, to address the crisis, and ensure that a similar thing won't happen again.
0: So who in an organization do you typically work with before a crisis to build a preparation plan, and are they the same people you work with during the actual crisis?
2: Yes, uh, they are the same people because you have, in a crisis situation, as Ann said, you have to deal where the decisions are made. And this is at the C-suite level. Uh, This is in the general counsel's office. These are the senior corporate communications uh, people. Uh, these are the people who have the most, uh, have the most impact in any crisis situation because they have the ability to make the decisions. They have the uh, expert information at their hand. They have the the organization to manage. So these are the people that uh, have to be involved in any type of crisis situation.
0: And with so many crisis situations being social media driven today, how difficult is it to prepare for that type of incident?
2: same as any other crisis, although I I think that people don't feel that way, because it seems to come out of nowhere. So, uh, companies need to be able to respond in the same way they would to a traditional crisis. Now, the key here, really, is what kinds of public policies and procedures do you have that reflect our current social mores and that can really pass public scrutiny in terms of how you operate? Because in the social media crisis, that's immediately what you go to. Well, these, these are our operating standards and principles. And if there's an issue in social media, it's generally because they've been uh, somehow violated or not followed. And so your defense, your best defense in those situations is to say, here's how it's supposed to go. If it hasn't gone this way, we're going to figure out why. We're going to fix it, and we're going to take steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so, again, at the end of the day, on the social media side, it is this enterprise risk management mandate that to ensure that you have in place the kinds of policies, procedures, standards, corporate values that are reflective of whomever it is you're doing business with, whether that's general public, consumers, or business-to-business, you want to make sure that you're in sync with them.
0: Sean and Lorianne, thank you both so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, John. Thank
0: you, You've just listened to Lorianne Larry biggers and Sean Murphy from Courtroom Sciences in Irving, Texas. And special thanks to today's producer, Frank Bowinkel. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to our webpage, www.ambest.com slash claimsresource. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. At I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best Insurance Professionals and Claims Resource is the top website for locating qualified professionals and need-to-know insurance information for the claims market. Brought to you by AMBest, the world leader in insurance industry information. Visit ambest.com slash claimsresource.